And he has promised that he will come again. But he's not coming back as a baby next time, but he's coming back as the all-conquering Son of God in judgment to gather those who follow and belong to him. That's part of the scene we started this service with in Revelation 21. So are you ready? Harking back to how we started in Revelation 21, let the tears of suffering be wiped away by this Jesus. I don't know how you or those you love are suffering today. I don't need to know. But I do know that God knows and that he knows intimately about personal suffering. Because this great and awesome God suffered and died on a Roman cross 2,000 years ago. If you're suffering, he will take your face in his hands, his nail-scarred hands, and wipe away your tears. And then you'll know that it was all worth it. the sufferings and trials that you've endured in this life in order to enter life to come. Death is not an end, it's a beginning. Amazing. Wow. Our God isn't some inanimate and passive carving you placed on a shelf or a wall, as some religions do. Our God is not immune to the suffering of this world. No, our God is a personal, uh, dynamic and active God who knows the suffering we ourselves endure. And why? Because he himself has suffered. He's not some pathetic, lifeless, unemotional and unresponsive statue but rather an intimate, dynamic, responsive, and living personal being who has shared in our sufferings through Jesus on that cross. As Christians, we worship a God who knows about suffering intimately, and Christianity is the only religion that can give a satisfactory answer to the problem of suffering and evil. And why? Because our God suffered, and in doing so, conquered sin, suffering, death, and evil. No other religion can make that claim. Certainly not the, the impersonal God of Islam or the unemotional and lifeless Buddha. The Christian God, the awesome and almighty God, who's outside of time and space, entered time and space to intimately know what suffering and death was like because of the suffering and death of Jesus on that cross. Jesus, the innocent King, who suffered and died, is the reason why we who call ourselves Christians have a hope. Because the God we serve personally knows suffering, knows suffering intimately, has endured suffering just as we do. And how do we, living as Christians today, respond to this Jesus, to this suffering servant and God who died and was raised to new life? I guess one way is this. We still have the problem of sin today. What happens if we who call ourselves Christian do happen to sin? Well, I think that's showing that even today we have the capacity to mock Jesus. We do that by engaging in and pandering to the tempting call of sin to somehow disobey God, whether it's through action or inaction. 
by doing the wrong things or by not doing the right things. Typically those times are at the back of our mind and I'm sure I'm not the only one. We say, oh, it'll be okay, I'll ask forgiveness after I've done it. Don't tell me I'm not the only one because I know for a fact that I'm not. Isn't that mocking Jesus? Because we're cheapening grace and effectively crucifying Jesus all over again. And as a result of Jesus going to the cross, all those of us who are Christians have taken up his offer and we've been declared holy. We've been declared sinless because we now wear Jesus Christ's robe of righteousness. It was given to us as a gift of grace. And when we sin, it's as if we're casting lots for that robe, just as the Roman soldiers did. We bring it off the congealed wounds. Sin is that serious. As Christians, we're to live a life of total obedience to God. When we sin against God, either through active or passive disobedience, it's almost like we're throwing Jesus' death back in his face and saying, Oi, you up there! If you are the Son of God, you come down here and shouts. Sin is that serious, folks. Sinful acts, thoughts, words and attitudes grieve the Holy Spirit who live within us. It's why when we come to ask God for the forgiveness of sins for those that we've committed against him, against other humans, and against our own self, we should ask to be filled anew with this Spirit. How is your welfare now? And our better way to react is this. And Christians who did not know about this part of it, those of us who have taken up Jesus as our personal Savior <coughs> and the object of our worship are compelled to react to him. I know one way to react, and that is the Jesus way. After all, Jesus did say, Love your enemies. And bless those who curse you. And so we are to love. And not just an ordinary love, but a love which is sacrificial. And we all know John 3.16, don't we? For God, so the world, so much. So we all know John 3.16. But how many of us here know 1 John 3.16? 1 John 3.16 is the response to John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 says this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That's sacrificial love. And acts of sacrificial love in the rest of the New Testament are not just to be towards friends and family and unknown strangers. That's easy, to love your friends and family and strangers. It's not even just loving those who are in the church fellowship. We are called by Jesus to love our enemies, just as Jesus did on the cross. We're called not to just love each other in the church, but to love all others, including those who mock and scorn at us. I've been quite an idiot for being a Christian thousands of times. This is a love which speaks of sacrifice, mirroring that of Jesus who we claim to love. And if Jesus' love is truly in our hearts, we should be eager to reciprocate that love towards other people. Jesus' love, as exhibited in his life and on the cross, was a love which had 
no thought of return, without any thought of it being deserved by others, and a love without self-interest. This town, dare I say, this nation, would be changed if we Christians loved each other like that. To be those outside the churches like that. So let's show some God-given creativity to show sacrificial love to others. And loving sacrificially is shown we bear our own cross just as Jesus commanded. And how can we love like that? That kind of love is always available to us through Jesus, who is the source of such love. We can't do it in our own strength, but the more we are open to receive it from Jesus our Master and ask Him for it, then His love will overflow from us to others. Each of us here has been given by a generous God in different quantities, amongst other things, talent, time and money. The way to show gratitude to Jesus to sacrificially love others. Not just those who are friends and our families, but also those who are against us. And not just with words, but with actions. One way we can show that we love others, including our enemies, is to help relieve the problem of suffering. James 1, 26 verse 27 says that our religion is worthless if the poor of society, such as Widows and orphans are not taken care of. How are we doing that here as a church at Durrington? Oh, that the church at Hallmark here in Durrington will be that of sacrificial love. Nobody can question sacrificial love. We can go loving even our enemies, knowing that our God is personal. Because Jesus being fully God and fully human, he himself has suffered. And more than that, we go on encouraging each other to love sacrificially. So how can we conclude? Easter is a time when we as Christians around the world reflect upon the events of the first Easter when Jesus Christ died and was resurrected to new life. We saw together that the cross was God's glory to give humanity the opportunity to be brought back into relationship with himself. We saw Jesus' faith in God the Father vindicated when Jesus himself was raised to new life by God the Father. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ are fundamental to this world, even a world that despises its very occurrence or thought. In response to the death and resurrection of Jesus, we who are his followers are to sacrificially love everybody including our enemies just as Jesus did. As we go, remember these facts from Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. It's probably my favourite verses in the New Testament. And they summarise the Easter story and it puts them on a personal level. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory.
So remember you have died with Jesus. Remember you have been raised with Jesus. Remember you have new life in Jesus. Remember your life is hidden in Jesus. And remember you will be glorified with Jesus when he comes again. Wow. So let's go from here to love sacrificially those, even those we don't get on with. I think now we'll have a uh, time of uh, prayer. So if you want to speak up a short prayer, please do so in after couple of minutes I'll close. Thank you. <laughs> Father, again we thank you that we could meet here and come around your written word, the Bible, in order to worship the living word, who is Jesus. Help us to remember those facts. Those facts about Jesus. But those facts about how we who are his followers, how we have died with him, we've been raised with him, we have new life in him, we are hidden with him, and we will be glorified with him. Help us to give Help us to persevere through this temporal life so that we may gain and live in this new life on the age to come when Jesus himself takes our head, head and our faces with his scarred hands and wipes away our tears of suffering. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen.